Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, I want to start off with a little bit of housekeeping. I've had a few emails come through over the last week, uh, some fantastic ones, uh, people telling me a little bit about their life, a um, couple of stories, some historical figures uh, in people's families as well. So that's really cool. Um, so if anyone does want to get in touch and tell me things like that, that's fantastic. Um, I'm always happy to have a chat with you guys in regards to that. Um, this uh, particular gentleman reached out to me on email, which is twihpod at gmail.com. He also reached out on Facebook, so you can always do that as well. Um, and he joined my Patreon, so fantastic. Double whammy or triple whammy there. So uh, I'll always love to hear from you guys. Um, I do want to have a quick little shout out. Um, I have had a message from someone on Patreon um, saying that they're struggling to get the new episodes on Patreon. If anyone else is having this trouble, please let me know because um, I can contact Patreon. Um, the best thing to do is to uninstall it and then reinstall it. That does seem to fix the problem. So if anyone else is experiencing that, uninstall the Patreon app, reinstall it. Um, or failing that, just do it from online. Um, I have had a five-star review as well, which is awesome. Uh, it's one of the best ways to grow the show. So if you guys are listening and enjoying, please put out a review. Um, this one says, really love hearing your podcast. Oh, sorry. Really love hearing your dad on the podcast. Should have uh, stopped there. Dad would be well happy. Um, he is always very well prepared, selects very interesting topics, and his delivery is great. Um, especially liked Lindbergh, Casey Jones, Hitler, and the John Bonnet Ramsey episodes. Keep bringing your dad back. Um, you also have improved a great deal since the beginning. Look forward to your episodes. So, yeah, Dad, if you're listening, um, that's not a praise to me, really. <laughs> um, that is a praise to you, so um, which I love because that's why we have you on the show. Because uh, as anybody who listens to the podcast knows, the reason I am so into my history um, stems from that uh, childhood with you. So um, yeah, if you're listening, uh, I hope you've uh, enjoyed that review. That's an actual review on iTunes. So if you want to go out and show people. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a review for you, Dad. So again, any reviews that people want to leave, um, feel free to to get them out to me because they are always fantastic, and I will always do my best to read them out onto the show. And yeah, hopefully you'll get a little shout out this week, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about a man who was 
extremely famous in 1930s Britain. He was a politician, and quite a famous one at that, Sir Oswald Arnold Mosley. Uh, he was the sixth baronet, um, a British politician, during the 1920s and 1930s. Now, you might be thinking, why are we talking about a random British politician and what is his link? Now, for those of you who have watched Peaky Blinders um, or the last series, you might be a little bit spoilt by this because you know a little bit about the man himself and what happened. However, if you haven't watched it, um, you might not know who this man was. He was dubbed Hitler's Man in Britain which gives you a little bit of an idea as to why he was so famous in the 1930s. Now, what's really important to know about Oswald Mosley is his ability to talk in public. He had a great way of speaking to people, um, and he was a good orator, very similar to Adolf Hitler. And it's always important to look at the 1930s when we look at fascism and how it spread across the world. Now, looking back, we see the Nazis as the evil party. You know, a lot of historians will say the reason World War II is so important uh, in our history is because you can clearly see who the bad guy is. You know, looking back through history, it's pretty obvious. But at the time, they were very, very blurred lines. And fascism had a huge wave across Europe and even into America. It was, In fact, it was so popular that Oswald Mosley was very close to being the next Prime Minister of Britain. And that just shows the influence that nationalism had or that fascism had. And there is a difference between nationalism and fascism. The problem is that you can be nationalist without crossing that line into fascism. Um, obviously, in these instances, the people unfortunately cross that line. Why was Oswald Mosley so popular? Well, he was young. He was charismatic. He was part of the British royalty, almost part of that aristocracy that real high class but he had a massive connection to the working class he was dubbed one of britain's future prime ministers it was actually said that had he become prime minister he would have been one of the greatest prime ministers britain ever had this was obviously before we found out that he was good friends with adolf hitler and that he received funding from benito mussolini in italy but what led him to that path? For this, we'll take you back to the beginning. A uh, nice, simple way to start. He was born on the 16th of November, 1896, and he was born in Mayfair in London. For those of you who don't know, Mayfair is that really, really expensive part on the Monopoly board. Basically, it's one of the poshest parts of London. His family was in the aristocracy, his granddad, who was um, a baronet, um, was named Oswald Mosley. Uh, his dad, who was quite a rich man, a bit of a playboy, uh, he was also called Oswald Mosley. So, uh, really confusing. Uh, he was Oswald Mosley III, which is not something British people 
tend to do outside of that aristocracy. I know it's a lot more common in America to have um, sort of junior and the third, um, but yeah, in Britain it's not really that common. So for for this particular um, character, this particular person in history, um, he was sort of out of the norm with that. Oswald Mosley had a normal childhood growing up. He was not a special child in any way. Um, his dad was a serial adulterer and uh, very abusive. And yeah, to all intents and purposes, not a great dad. Um, but despite this, his mother, who was named Maud, decided to take Oswald and move away. Now, they moved into the granddad's house, uh, Oswald Mosley I, um, and they moved in. In this instance, uh, Oswald Sr. was, let's say, a, a, a spoiled parent, a spoiling parent. I can't really think of the right word for that. But he spoiled young Oswald rotten. His own son was a complete disappointment. He was a playboy, a philanthropist, a serial adulterer. He was not the man that was capable of carrying on the family name. Young Oswald Mosley was, as far as he was concerned. So he used that. He he built his own image in young Oswald. And, you know, like I said, he, he just he spoiled him. So his early childhood was probably a little bit more depressing um, than his later childhood because his granddad's aristocracy he's he's rich he's powerful he's influential um, he's got the ability to spoil this child more than any other parent can actually afford to do so a young Oswald Mosley is growing up with this sort of feeling that he is he is better than everybody else he was sent away at the age of 10 to a boarding school, um, which was pretty common back then. In fact, it's it's still pretty common for aristocracy to, to send their children away. Um, from there, he went to Windsor, uh, where he would work there um, and learn his life skills there as a young student. He became a pretty good boxer and, in fact, a world-class fencer. At the age of 16, he left school and went to Sandhurst Military Academy to train for the army. He'd grown up. He was a young, charismatic, very good-looking man. And if I'm honest, he was a bit of a bellend as well. He used to finish his drinks at Sandhurst and go into town looking for fights. He would go out and pick on the poor people. He would find a working-class man and just start a fight. Uh, sometimes he instigated the fights, sometimes he would go out just acting the prat to encourage a fight, because he knew he could box. He was a very, very competent man, and was, was able to fight. He actually got suspended from Sandhurst at one point, but as luck would have it, he was never expelled and this was because, as I'm sure some of you have guessed, him being 16 years old, we're at the start of the First World War. And Britain needed every able-bodied man possible to fight. 
He actually joined the Royal Flying Corps. Now, this was the preliminary uh, group uh, before the Royal Air Force. The Royal Air Force was founded in 1918 at the end of the First World War. Um, the Royal Flying Corps was before. His job was essentially reconnaissance. He was a reconnaissance pilot that would fly over enemy lines and look at the trenches and report back. What's interesting with this is majority of pilots in the First World War did not last more than two flights. Oswald Mosley sustained an injury during the war that would stay with him for the rest of his life. However, this injury did not happen whilst flying over enemy lines, did not happen with an enemy aircraft or an enemy bullet, it was a training exercise in Shoreham in 1915 where Oswald Mosley managed to crash his aircraft into the ground and break his leg. He had several operations and it took almost a year before he was able to get back to walking again. It left him with a permanent limp, a one that stayed with him for the rest of his life. But you would think this was a bad thing for Oswald Mosley. It was not. Uh, 1916 rolls around and a man who's just been discharged from the Royal Flying Corps with a permanent limp that he can pass off as a war wound was now sat behind a desk in London around very young, very pretty girls whose men had gone to fight in the trenches. There was no competition for him and you look at the pictures, Oswald Mosley was not an ugly man. Um, he managed to work his way through basically majority of London society and bed as many women as he possibly could whilst sort of charming their fathers in a way that uh, only he could do. The war finished in 1918 and Oswald Mosley had found his way onto the political ballot sheet. Now, the 1918 election in the UK was known as a coupon election. This meant that on the ballot sheet, the names of the candidates were on there, along with whether they supported the war effort. Now, you've got to remember 1918, Britain was on a high. Anyone who supported the war was seen as a patriot, someone who you could trust. And Oswald Mosley managed to worm his way onto a ballot paper. And at 22 years old, he was elected to Parliament in the Conservative Party. In 1920, Oswald Mosley finally married. He settled down and married a woman named Cynthia Curzon. Uh, she was a lady. Uh, her father was a lord. In fact, the marriage or the wedding was that popular that the king and queen attended their wedding. So this was a really big do. This wasn't just a, a little wedding. This was massive. Um, to add salt to the wedding, he never really loved his wife. This was a man who'd grown up with his dad being a serial adulterer. He was a man who could pretty much get any woman he wanted. He wasn't going to settle with his wife and he didn't um there was no real love there he although they had three children yeah it just wasn't right the the wedding wasn't right the marriage wasn't right 
it was all done for political gain. In fact, he was actually that bad to his wife that he slept with her mother. Not only that, he slept with her sister as well. So he gives you a bit of an idea of this man's character that uh, he's going to go down the family routes. He does, just doesn't care. Remember when I said he was a bit of a bellend? I think we're starting to get a bit of a picture now. In 1923, we had another election in this country. This time, it was won by Ramsay MacDonald, the head of the Labour Party. Now, this was the first Labour government ever to be formed, and in March 1924, Oswald Mosley changed his allegiance from Conservative to Labour. Now, there were reasons behind this, but they weren't just him picking the winning party. There were other political ideas. Um, Labour was seen as the working class man's uh, group. They they were behind Irish independence, which uh, Oswald Mosley also supported, which Conservatives did not support. And there were other reasons, political reasons. It wasn't just him following the winning ticket. But there was another election in October 1924. Sometimes in British politics, we do have these elections pretty close together. Not always, but sometimes they're called snap elections. And Labour majority disintegrated. Oswald Mosley lost his seat and Labour was no more. Conservatives had a landslide victory in October 1924. Oswald Mosley actually lost his seat to Neville Chamberlain. So for those of you who are clued up on your history, you will know that Neville Chamberlain was the Prime Minister during the Second World War for Great Britain. Not Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill came in after Neville Chamberlain. Neville Chamberlain was the man who declared war on Adolf Hitler and Germany. That was not Winston Churchill. You would think at this point in his career he would go tail between his legs, running back to the Conservative Party. He did not. He stuck it out with Labour, and he stayed with them. He actually spent time touring the UK. He spent time with working-class people in lower-educated towns, um, slums of Britain. He actually paid miners during the 1926 miners' strike. Um, he actually paid for some of those miners out of his own pocket, um, he was really trying to become a man of the people. He was trying to enforce that Labour was the way forward for this country. Now, Labour won a later election in 1929, and Oswald Mosley believed at this point he was going to get the dream job in Cabinet. He was going to get a really important role, and he was disappointed. Unfortunately, he was left pretty much on the sidelines, now, Oswald Mosley being Oswald Mosley through what we can only describe as a hissy fit. He wasn't very impressed, but he sucked it up and he got on with it. Oswald Mosley came up with certain schemes for the Labour government to help people back into work, to help people uh, during the Great Depression of 1929. Um, his schemes were crap, um, and the Labour government also thought they were crap. Um, he was told, under no uncertain terms, stop coming up with ideas. Your ideas are bad. 
we don't want anything to do with you just stop it basically to which he resigned now he resigned from labor he actually did an hours long speech in the house of commons and this speech was electrifying like i said he we already know he was a good orator he was good at speaking in crowds but he made the point that labor or if labor was to move forwards as a political party that they needed a young fresh idea they needed a young talent to move the party forwards and mcdonald was not young or fresh he was an old man and he was a stuffy aristocratic person now obviously oswald mosley coming from an aristocracy background he was able to resonate with the common man i would put him in a similar attributes as boris johnson um, not his political ideas before anyone shoots me down for that but the way he was able to resonate with a working class even though he was clearly anything but is very boris johnson-esque a lot of people in britain even now um still quite like boris johnson um and again that's just because of how he he was able to connect with the british public in general and oswald mosley had that similar charismatic qualities oswald mosley decided to start a new political party um he took he had a loan for fifty thousand pounds that was uh donated to him so it's technically not a loan it was a donation um and he started his new party he had five rebel labor mps on his side and one rebel conservative mp on his side these are politicians who still hold their seat however have removed themselves from the political party they're attached to and he started this new party he wasn't very good with name what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This party was called the new party yeah genuinely it was called the new party um could have had some much better name than that but no that's what he went with uh, unfortunately for oswald mosley he contracted pneumonia pretty much as soon as the new party was launched and because he was in hospital for sort of six weeks the party sort of fell by the wayside they didn't have that push that they would have done if he was there and it was over as quickly as it began 
Now, when he came out of hospital, the he tried to tried to push them back out. He tried to start it again, revolutionise his party again. Unfortunately, there was one political party that emerged in the 1930s that was also considered a new party, and they were the communists. Uh, you thought I was going to say fascists then, but I wasn't. They were the communists, and the communist party did not like Oswald Mosley. They didn't like his policies, they didn't like his ideas, they certainly didn't like him. Now, when he came out to do his speeches and trying to revive his new party, the communists caused quite a lot of trouble for him. He was uh, harassed, attacked, um, members who attended his speeches were attacked, and he had to do something about it so he hired protection and this protection was a gang of young thugs Uh, one of them was a man named kid lewis who was a professional boxer and this this sort of protection racket followed oswald mosley around after a bit of time they started to get a uniform and they were black shirts so we can start to see where he has to have his own protection there we can see a few similarities between that and adolf hitler there was a new election in britain after this another one yeah believe it or not we had quite a few and this election saw a landslide victory for the conservative party what it did was it pushed this new party completely out of the water they didn't exist they got no seats they had no power no influence nobody was even talking about them they were an irrelevant just completely irrelevant to everybody in the uk they weren't bothered about them so oswald mosley decided to travel a little bit and get some inspiration from somewhere else around the world he traveled to italy where he met Benito Mussolini. Now, when he got there, he this was the first time that he would actually see a fascist state in action, see how they work. And this is where he kind of fell in love with the idea of fascism. Now, the party had flirted with the idea of it in the past, but really until he saw how it was run and how it worked he didn't really understand that that was the route of politics that he wanted to go down. And he fell in love with the idea, absolutely loved it. He actually met a woman whilst he was there as well, a lady named Diana Mitford. And we'll talk a little bit about her later, but when he described fascism to this woman, she fell in love with the idea and she fell in love with him. Now, shortly after that, he returned back to Britain, and in 1932, he started the inevitable new party, British Union of Fascists, or the BUF. Now, this was on the cards for a long time, but when he came back, that was what he wanted to do, and that's exactly what he did. 1933 rolls round. For those of you who know your history... 1933 was the year Adolf Hitler took power in Germany and Oswald Mosley 
wanted the same. He and Diana Mitford, his new mistress, his new lover, travelled to Nuremberg. They travelled to Germany to witness Adolf Hitler's rallies and to meet with the Führer himself. They fell in love with him. They loved everything about Adolf Hitler, the way he controlled a crowd, the way he spoke, his passion, his politics. They loved everything. And when he came back to the UK, or back to England, he essentially had Nazi tribute acts uh, for his fascist movement. He would walk on stage and do mad rants like Adolf Hitler did with the passion, the shaking of the hands and the speeches in very similar ways to how Adolf Hitler controlled his crowds in Germany. He would come on stage to see Heil salutes and the arms raised and everything like that. And he would have his own protection all decked out in the same uniform, all these bodyguards surrounding him, surrounding the areas, um, they would have massive flags, very similar to the Nazi flag, which was a red flag with a lightning bolt in the middle. Essentially, he was becoming Britain's version of Adolf Hitler, not just Hitler's man in Britain. He was trying to emulate Adolf Hitler himself. The scary thing about this is people didn't see the danger. They didn't see how bad the British Union of Fascists could actually be. In fact, King Edward VIII was a huge fan of Oswald Mosley. Um, now, this was before he became king. Um, he wasn't king in 1933, but um, he was king for, I think it was about eight months, and then he abdicated the throne um, and gave it to his brother, who ended up being George VI. Um Boring you with a little bit of British history there, but he um, he was still influential in Britain. The British papers run stories about Oswald Mosley and his black shirts, and sort of in praise of them almost. Not nothing really derogatory. They just didn't see how Britain could become. They couldn't see the future of fascism in a negative light. It seems at this point that fascism was really going to take root in Britain. It was going to be really popular. There was a massive push behind it. And he had a rally in 1934. It was known as the Olympia Rally. This was where Oswald Mosley was going to go on stage in front of 10,000 people, newspapers, TV crews, um, everyone like that, journalists from all over the country, all over the world almost. And he was going to put his political idea forwards and he had the support to do so however in the crowd of this 10,000 people were roughly 500 anti-fascists and what they decided to do was to disrupt this rally as much as possible shout things out scream over him play instruments cause problems in the crowd make it to a point where Oswald Mosley cannot deliver his speech. They wanted a reaction from him, and a reaction is exactly what they got. Many of these protesters or many of these anti-fascists were beaten to within an inch of their life. Some of them were sent to hospital, some of them were sent with broken bones, concussion, knocked out, you name it, 
these thugs went out there, found these people, and beat the living crap out of them. Now, unfortunately for Oswald Mosley, that was the end of the BUF movement in Britain. They were banned from the BBC, they were banned from the airways, and nobody wanted to affiliate themselves with a group of thugs who would go around kicking and punching people who didn't agree with their political idea. Unfortunately for Oswald Mosley, that's what his guys did, and it left him in a position where his party was really badly frowned upon by the British people, and he lost pretty much all of his support that he'd gained over the last couple of years. By 1935, support for the party had diminished by 90%, and all that was left were the hardcore fascists. So they were the ones that he had to play up to now. He basically pushed for the deportation of every single Jewish person in Britain. And he claimed that Britain should only be for the British. Essentially, he went to that extreme. Fascism that we would have seen in Germany. He pushed Britain, or pushed his version of Britain to that extreme which he hadn't done before now that sounds really strange when we're talking about fascism that he hadn't pushed the jewish agenda because that's the way people see it now people see fascism as purely anti-semitic now although there is massive anti-semitism in fascism essentially fascism at that point for mosley was a sense of pride and pride in your nation and a nationalistic view rather than an anti-semitic view problem is to a lot of right wing you have the extreme right wing and you have the sort of more conservative right wing all that was left of his party was just the extreme was just that 10 percent of people who just couldn't see past the anti-Semitism, the racism, um, and they really got behind that. And essentially it pushed Oswald Mosley to a point where he was never ever going to make anything of himself because he'd taken that extra step into the unacceptable, really. He took it one step further. Now in Germany we may... You may or may not know of a night, it's known as the Night of Broken Glass or Kristallnacht in German. It was the day where Hitler pushed the German people to turn up and retaliate against the Jewish population. Oswald Mosley had his version in October 1936 and it was called the Battle of Cable Street in Stepney. They sent a protest of around 3,000 black shirts into a massively Jewish populated area of London known as Stepney and they started a riot. Now the reason the riot started is essentially it started as a peaceful protest but the British public turned out in force to show their disloyalty or disappreciation of Oswald Mosley and his black shirts. They didn't want him there. And they stood up for the Jewish community in that area. It turned into a riot and hundreds of people were injured. Luckily, nobody was killed during it. However, what it did do 
was it was the final nail in the coffin for Oswald Mosley. Now, nobody in Britain wanted anything to do with him. What we haven't told you is that in 1933, his wife actually passed away, leaving Oswald Mosley open to pursue his relationship with Diana Mitford. Now, the reason I bring this up now is because we're in 1936, and October the 6th, 1936, Oswald Mosley actually married Diana Mitford. Believe it or not, he married her in the home of Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda machine, and the guest of honour was Adolf Hitler. And you know what Adolf Hitler gave them as a wedding present? He gave them a signed photograph of himself. I mean, the arrogance of some people to give a wedding present of an autographed picture of yourself. I mean, so if anyone wants one, by the way, I'll do an autographed picture of myself as a wedding gift for anyone who wants one. But (laughs) you've got to have some sort of arrogance to give that as a gift. And I think we all know that Adolf Hitler certainly had that arrogance. 1936, Oswald Mosley was basically banned from Britain. His politics was banned from venues, and he was banned from, again, TVs, radio, magazines, things like that. And other people or other independent business owners would not rent their spaces to the fascist party. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but let's be honest, in 1936... The only way to get your message across, really, was to hold rallies. He wasn't allowed to do that anymore. In 1937, he essentially vanished from history. Or at least for that year, anyway. 1938 comes round, and Oswald Mosley returns. Now, it was pretty clear that 1938, we were going very close to another war in uh, in Europe. Neville Chamberlain's government wouldn't really challenge Hitler on anything. They were doing a policy of appeasement. They were pretty much letting Hitler get away with whatever he wanted, and the British public could see that another war was round the corner. And this, Oswald Mosley decided, was his time to really strike. Oswald Mosley did his own rallies during 1938. He was a pacifist he didn't want war of course he didn't want war it was going to be against germany it was going to be against hitler his own mate he specifically did rallies denouncing war he didn't want war the british public kind of resonated with this they thought you know we don't really want another world war we've been to war with germany it nearly destroyed our country we don't want another war And his popularity began to rise. In fact, it rose so high that people thought he was going to make a massive political comeback. Unfortunately, 1939 comes round and Britain declare war on Germany. This meant that he was now the enemy. Fascism was the enemy and Oswald Mosley and his fascist party disappeared again from history. May 1940 rolls round and Winston Churchill, as Prime Minister of England, wants as many fascists arrested arrested as possible. Oswald Mosley was one of them. He was arrested for essentially being a supporter of Germany, being 
someone that couldn't be trusted during wartime to be in the public eye or be in public in general and two months later his wife Diana Mitford was also arrested and that photograph of Adolf Hitler that signed photograph of Adolf Hitler was found in their baby's cot so yeah they sent their child to sleep with a signed photograph of Adolf Hitler so really nice parents weren't they they were both sent to Holloway Prison and they were released in 1943. However, they were kept under house arrest until the end of the war in 1945. They left Britain and moved to France, just outside of Paris, where Oswald Mosley decided to stay part of politics and come up with new ways to reinvent himself. He came across as pro-Europe pro-European Union and anti-war however his poison was still there his fascist roots were still there Um, he had a declaration of Venice that he wrote up which was essentially splitting Africa into black and white nations um, and using the black nations to pretty much slave labor for the white nations to prosper off of he he always had that racism just beneath the surface he returned to britain with speeches saying that all non-whites should be kicked out of britain and sent home um despite the fact that majority of them at that point in history had fought for britain in the second world war um or at least had ancestors that had fought for britain he ignored all of that um and essentially just wanted britain for white people only he implored the banning of interracial marriages and he was pretty much an irrelevance he was just ignored completely um he was ignored that much that he stood for re-election to parliament in 1959 and 1966 both times he lost in a massive landslide essentially getting next to no votes whatsoever after the loss in 1966 he retired from british politics completely and lived out the rest of his days in france he died on the 3rd of december 18 18 sorry 1980 keep doing this all day today um and he's gone down in the history books as essentially nothing he he didn't do anything um but had he had the chance had hitler breached britain on the battle of britain had hitler won the war it was almost certain that oswald mosley would have been the British man in charge of this country. Luckily for us, he didn't get anywhere near it. But it does give you a little bit of an insight as to how influential fascism was across the world and how even in the island that stood up against fascism, the only country in the world to stand up against fascism in 1940, we were that close that close to having a fascist leader here so i hope you enjoyed that subject something a little bit different for you guys um if you have enjoyed it obviously like i say every episode let me know 
let me know your feedback on it uh, i know it's a little bit different this one so um yeah we'll see how it goes but join the facebook group say it every week um if you do want a shout out then drop me a message you can do it on facebook you can do it through email i gave the email address out at the start of the show and if you do join the patreon as well i have had two new patreon members so thank you very much for joining me over there guys um and just remember guys it's five dollars a month um and you get access to all these shows early there's no adverts there's extra shows on there as well um so it is worth getting it and it does support the podcast and if you can't afford to support the podcast in that way um then please 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 leave me a review um especially if you're on itunes because i do get uh i do get onto the carousel on itunes with more reviews we get so the more reviews the better the podcast so thank you for listening guys and we shall see you next week bye bye